our missions rally. This is our second missions rally. Our first missions rally was last year in June, and we focused our missions rally on global missions, and we had the global mission secretary, Brother Scotty Sladen, come, and he was there at the sanctuary of southeast Missouri and did an incredible job. There was also a missionary there, and we were so blessed and were able to be a blessing, and I'm so thankful because I know that you, Section 4, has the vision of worldwide revival. But I also believe, and that's why we're here tonight, that you see the significance of revival in North America. It's not just for us four and no more. It's not just for section four. It's for everyone, for whosoever will. Tonight, tonight we are here with the mindset that missions is important. It's significant. You're here. I want all of you young people to know we can't do this without you. We need you. So we are delighted that you are here for this missions rally because when you see the significance of missions, that helps me to understand. Brother Hobson, the future looks great because the future is now. You've already been told that we have in our presence the North American Missions Secretary. And Brother Bill Hobson has served for nearly 10 years as the North American Mission Secretary. Brother Hobson graduated from Indiana Bible College back in 92, a couple of years after me. We went to Bible College together. He's a Bible College friend, and we've been friends for a long, long time. He pastored 12 years in Orlando. He's the Indiana Bible College alumni present. He is a visionary when it comes to taking the gospel of Jesus Christ and reaching North America. We are blessed and fortunate to have Brother Hobson as our speaker tonight at the Missions Rally for Section 4. Please put your hands together and welcome my friend, Brother Bill Hobson. Bill, take your liberty. Appreciate you. It is, it is such a delight and a privilege to be here with you tonight to feel the great presence of the Lord that is here. Uh, I do give honor to Brother Sharon, a dear friend, for many, many, many years. And uh, we appreciate uh, the great efforts that he has made and the great leadership that he has. A man of many hats and uh, truly a tremendous leader. We appreciate he and his wonderful wife and family. And, of course, this, this section, all the pastors that are here, thank you for being here. And all these precious uh, students that are here and various people that you've made the effort to be here. We appreciate you being here. Amen. And so uh, it is a delight and a privilege to be here. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of Numbers chapter 13? Book of Numbers chapter 13. And, you know, as Brother Sharon was talking about the positions and all that, um, I used to think that people were elected to these positions They were wise, intelligent, smart. Then I got elected to one of those positions. And I was so thrilled they made an exception to the previous rules. And so uh, uh, it is a great honor to be here. And uh, I do love missions. I love missions work. I, I love what missions represent. It's simply go ye into all the world. And that's global, that's your world, that's everywhere. And uh, I I am thankful for what the Lord has done. Many years ago, God gave me a little Bible study called Bible Study in a Bag. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that Bible study because literally thousands have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ through that. And uh, I, I believe in reaching the lost. And I believe that mission starts with us. And you look at somebody and say, the mission starts with you. Turn to somebody else and say, he's talking to you. The book of Numbers, chapter number 13, verse 1 and 2 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send 
a man, every one a ruler among them. Book of Numbers chapter 13 verse 30 going to the 30th verse says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I'm going to speak to you for just a little while on simply go take it. Go take it. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the might of your spirit. I thank you for what you have given to us and what you have done for your people tonight. I pray, speak to us, God, by your power, by your virtue, by your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Truly one of my favorite biblical stories. It's the story of the Exodus, the great promise that God had given. In fact, it's God's provision throughout the famine that leads Joseph and his people to Egypt. And of course, the provision of Joseph and his lineage, of course, is protected. And there in the safe environment of Egypt, is God allowing this great nation to grow. Though it was through adversity, though they were facing incredible circumstances, and if you look at what happened, I would submit to you that during the time of even Pharaohs that arose and knew not Joseph, it is clear that God's plan and God's purpose was being established. For as the struggle of the uh, the slavery, if you will, was given. God was ultimately leading the nation of Israel out of one place into another. And God's plan and God's purpose as they came in just a one family group into Egypt. And now they would leave as a mighty nation over a million strong. And yet in their own minds they had a difficulty of trying to somehow transfer this idea of once being a slave to somehow transitioning to being a nation. It's a hard thing when you begin to look back and some of us, if we're not careful, we use excuses of yesterday to withhold what God wants today. For you see, I would submit that they were never really slaves in Egypt, though it felt like they were. In fact, they were merely there learning a process of how to build the mighty pyramids. They were learning how to build a nation. And in fact, the day that God said enough is enough, I would submit to you was the day that they ceased being a slave and God paid them completely back because you cannot be a slave and be paid but God said I will repay I will know oh no man anything and as we see this mighty nation leaving what was Egypt the night before they left we know the story well that God speaks to that nation and tells them you go borrow everything you can you go take this and that and of course the next day Pharaoh wakes up the nation is gone and Pharaoh says give me something to drink and his servant says I'm sorry sir but uh, well actually 
there is no servants to give you anything to drink. I'm actually a soldier. Well, bring me something to drink nevertheless. Well, we would, sir, but your favorite gold cup is not here. Where is it? Well, I really don't understand. Didn't you loan it to one of your slaves yesterday? Oh, I did. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, for some reason, well, why don't you fix me something to eat? Well, I I would, but there's nothing to cook with. Because we loan that to them also. Go get my nice gold platter. Well, I'm sorry, sir. We loaned that to them too. And waking up all across Egypt was the same story. For you see, God in one night said, I'm going to transfer the wealth that has been created by this nation. I'm going to transfer it to the one that really worked to make it happen. We spend way too much time worrying about and trying to figure out how God is going to pay us back. Can I tell you some things in this life, God may never pay you back. But we've got to get a revelation and understanding that God will. He keeps accurate records. God knows everything about your life. He's seen you from the very beginning. God knows who you are. God from the very beginning said I know who you are and it's because of me you are where you are for such a time as this And yet you say, well, are you sure the wealth was transferred? Well, I do know that later the Bible tells us in the middle of the wilderness uh, day, the Bible said that God gave Moses a plan to build a tabernacle. But God said to Moses, I want you to take an offering from among them. How does a bunch of slaves pay for such a wonderful uh, place? For you see, there were things inlaid with gold. Look at the gold that was used. Look at the silver that was used in the tabernacle. Oh, it was a place that finally they said, We have more than enough. Quit giving. Wow, that's a pretty awesome offering. And yet, we see these people... God has brought them through. God, in fact, destroying the Egyptians behind them, leading to them where they went, and ultimately a cul-de-sac, bringing them to the great promise that God had given to them. And yet, just a few days' journey from where they had been, they come to find that now they are there at the crux of the land that God had promised them, a great and mighty nation, ready to pursue and receive all that God had given to them. But here is paused. As we read just moments ago. The story changes because it's that moment God says to Moses. I want you to send a man from every tribe. I want you to send a leader from every group. And I want you to send them so they can spy out the land. The problem was this. There were some parts of the message that were lost in the translation. God spoke to Moses and told him, go send them. And there was a clear understanding. But as we see, Moses somewhat adds his own documentary, if you will. And in Numbers chapter seven, or chapter 13, verse 17 through 19, and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, get you up this way southward and go into the mountain and see the land which it is and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak. Few are many, and what, and what the land is that dwell in, whether it be good or bad, what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And so as it would, these 12 spies make their way, fulfilling the commandment they had been given by Moses. Ten. Ten come back. With interesting stories. I can hear it something like this. 
Oh my word. Did you see the size of that soldier's biceps? Oh, I wasn't looking at that, but did you see that huge, tall wall in that city? Somebody else pipes up and says, oh my goodness, did you see their size of their armies? They were much taller than we are. I kind of felt like a grasshopper among them. And others begin to talk about all the negatives around it. And about that time, somebody looks at Caleb. And Caleb, what do you think, Caleb? What? What are we talking about? We're talking about these huge walls, Caleb. There were walls? What? You didn't see those walls? Seriously? Joshua, did you see any walls? No, but have you tasted these grapes? Oh my goodness. I have never tasted grapes. They're ripe and they are ready. Oh, if we could just go now, we might get the whole crop of grapes. And man, I might just instead of eating the handful I brought home, I'm going to have, ooh, I'm going to have grape jam. I'm going to have grape jelly. I'm going to have grape pancakes. I'm going to have, oh my goodness, have you seen this? And then someone else says, but the spears they carry. Huh? Spears? Did they have spears? What on earth were you doing, Joshua? What were you doing, Caleb, with your time there? Well, all I know is I was measuring for my house. I really wasn't worried about their walls. I, I really, you mean they really do have walls? I, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that part of the memo. I thought we were going to just look at things. I thought we were going to spy out what God had already given us. Can I tell you in this generation, you face things that no other generation have ever seen. And there's some that are saying it's rough. We better cower down. I don't know if we can make it. I don't know if we can stand. There's obstacles great among us. This generation faces things no other generation has. But there's a group that's saying, I'm not looking at walls. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at governments. I'm not looking at adversity. All I know is that there was a promise that God gave me a long time ago that said, I will never leave you. But if we're not careful, we begin to view the circumstances more than the promises. Got our eyes on things we were never intended to be looking at. We have gone through, we, if God tarries, in 20 years, we'll be talking about the last two years, three years we've lived through. You remember that time? And we're going to be looking at things we don't understand. But I would submit to you today that while we have prayed for apostolic revival, how many has ever prayed for that before? How many like to see the dead raised? But somebody's got to die first. While we're looking, and could it be that we have not fully understood that what we have prayed for, we haven't necessarily read the entire book for. 
Because we love 5,000 receiving the Holy Ghost, but we don't like somebody getting put in jail for what they believe. We don't like people being boiled in oil. We don't like people having, and can I tell you, we are closer than we have ever been to the most adversity and the things that we don't fully understand. We're just in a trial run, I believe. There's things that are happening in the spirit world, but we've got to understand. Wait, this is our finest hour. This is what we have lived for. And while we have enjoyed freedoms in North America in a great level in certain parts of our country, others have faced obstacles they never dreamed would happen in North America, even just a few miles north of our borders. In Canada, they've faced horrible obstacles. Some are just now able to meet. It's been years since they've been able to actually get together because of, oh, you tell me, I'm telling you, there's circumstances circumstances. There's trials. There's struggles. There's impossibilities. But wait, I got to remember something. Greater is he that is in me. Than he that is in the world. You are the generation that will see blind eyes open. You are the generation to see the dead race. You are the generation to see the miraculous. And so, so it was. The two guys that had a right in the Bible to be ticked off. Joshua, Caleb. Every right in the world to be ticked off. Because they're right there. And everybody looked at the ten. And while Caleb said, let's go now. We're well able. This wasn't exploratory committee about whether we can do it or not. This was simply an architectural opportunity to figure out where our favorite places were going to be. And yet, for an entire generation, they had to wait for them to die out. Can you imagine that? That must have been a horrible thing. But I, I, it's almost humorous in my mind because I, I can just envision two guys in the camp. I mean, they're, they're everywhere. How you feeling? Let me start digging a hole yet? Because the sooner we get you in that hole, the better off we are. You feeling good? Well, I hope not. Because if, you, if you'll just hurry up and die, I can go. Oh, come on. I've got to go to the promised land. I've already been there. I've already tasted the honey. I've already tasted. And I can just hear him now. Can you believe our shoes haven't worn out? You talk about getting chapped off. I can just hear Caleb going, are you kidding me? You're happy about shoes not wearing out? I want new shoes. And I know where I can get them because I've already been there. And so, so it was an entire generation died out, lost out. Moses himself did not enter into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb Continued in strength, an entire transformation of a nation. And then finally we see the great, great opportunity of God. Walls of Jericho. When it really got down to it, they were no big deal. They didn't even have to cast a stone at the... I can just hear Joshua now. God said, I've been trying to figure out how you were going to do this. Because you know what, I didn't really look at the wall much when I first came, 
But now it's time for us to go in there. And God, you, you probably ought to do something about that wall now. I said, just, okay, just, that's no big deal. That's an easy thing for me. Just trust me. And all you got to do is do what you do best. And that is put your eye on me and put your focus on me. How are we going to overcome this generation? It's not about our own understanding. Lean not unto your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. So, so they merely took a walk for seven days and a praise march for seven days. And yet through the power of praise, walls crumbled and they walked in to a great and mighty place that God had already given them years earlier. But now comes the time. The time where, well, we got to divvy up this inheritance. And Joshua, he, in Joshua chapter 17 and 16 and 15, you see this division of this great promised land. And in Joshua 17, we find verse 14. And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit? Seeing I am a great people. For as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto. Wh whose kids are they? The one that started all this mess. Joseph's kids. Here we are. You've given us this great piece of property. It's our inheritance. But are you kidding me? Don't you know we are a mighty people? Don't you know and all? I'm looking at somebody and some in this building. You know what God has spoke to you. You felt the understanding of God and the anointing of God. And yet you're sitting there wondering, is it ever going to really happen? You're sitting there frustrated with everybody else because it isn't working just like you think it should and feeling like it should be your inheritance because God's already told you. But can I tell you, in the midst of it all, you got to listen to what the man of God said because the next verse, and Joshua answered them if thou be a great people then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants if Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee in other words, I, he's, he's almost mocking them a little bit. He's like, oh, if you're a powerful people and you're a mighty people, why don't you just go up and get into the high country and cut some trees down? And while you're at it, go ahead and overtake their armies and just secure the land. If Ephraim be too narrow for you, if what I haven't given you is enough, what was he saying? Go take it. You want it? Go get it. You, you want it? Go get it. If you're a mighty people, go get it. But oh, he doesn't stop there because, you know, you know, sometimes it's best not to open up your mouth. Because here it goes. And the children of Joseph said, the hill is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron. Both they are of Bethsheen and her towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. They're like, okay, but that's not enough for us. Well, here it goes again. 
And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You said it. You've already told me who you are. It's almost a little tongue-in-cheek. Thou art a great people. You're a great people and have great power. Thou shalt not only have one lot. You've already told me who you are. Don't sit there and wonder and wait for somebody to give you something. Go and get it for yourself. Because he said, the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine, for thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong, just as Joseph, just as Joshua spoke to the children of Joseph. I tell somebody today, it's time to quit looking at the circumstance, quit looking at all the problems. Quit listening to all the reasons why we can't do it. Go take it. Look at somebody and say, go take it. Oh, we have not come this way heretofore. The sin is unimaginable. But the power of God will be unimaginable also. Go take it. It's already yours. You know, sometimes you just got to start and show up. Andrew Salcedo and his family... Started a daughter work out of Faith Tabernacle. I think I got a picture of this beautiful family. You want to throw that up there? Man, that's a great looking family. And out of Pastor Paul Connor in Tucson, Arizona, in March of 19, they went out to start a daughter work, Faith Tabernacle, South Tucson, Arizona. And you talk about disappointments. Now, it was... Spring of 2019. They just thought it was bad then. And uh, it even took quite a while to even get a place to rent. It was a miracle that they even found a place to rent. But it was a connection with somebody that they had on the church board that allowed them. It was a a long-time connection that all of a sudden was brought back to fruition. And they were able to rent this particular church building and there they began to rent the building and have church and during that first year of renting the church building they noticed some things around the building that needed to be repaired and of course instead of just letting the landlords take care of it they felt blessed that God had allowed them to rent this place and knew there wasn't a lot of places around to rent and so they they said well you know what don't worry about it we'll fix the air conditioning for you because the place they were renting was just a very, very, very small congregation that was really dying out. So they helped with the air conditioning. And then they, they painted a little bit here and they did a little repair there. And well, that was great. The first year they were in the building. And of course, then all chaos happened. March 2020, everything went crazy. Building was shut down. But they said, well, we would still like to have church. And so they were able to do so, even though the church that was, the the, the congregation that owned the building wouldn't even meeting. And finally, in fact, in April 2020, the building, the, the pastor came to them and said, listen, we're thinking about shutting this building down. And in fact, we're, we're thinking about selling the building. And in fact, we're going to probably shut this church down. And you're, you're going to probably have to find someplace else to go. Pastor Salcedo said, I, 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 I really feel like we need to buy this place. I mean, would you think about selling it to us? Uh, they said, well, 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 we'll talk about that. Well, a few, few weeks later, the pastor called him, and he was sure the pastor was going to say, you're kicked out, sold the building. 
pastor said, no, no, I, I need to talk to you about something. He said, uh, he, or she said, she said, I, 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 um, I was talking to our church board and, and to the church that is there and, and the church building that we own is, is valued at about half a million dollars. And, 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 and <laughs> I see those thinking, oh boy, that's there. That's Alpha and Omega. That's the beginning and the end. We don't have a half a million. But, she, that, but then she said, but there's some people that really like you all and they like the fact that, well, you, you've been... You, you've been doing stuff around the church. In fact, and one thing I didn't fail to mention, that after a few months they stopped charging them rent because they were doing so much to the building. And, and so, you know, but, but then she said, you know, we're not even charging you rent and all that. You do so much for this building. We just felt like we, we'd like to sell it to you for $100,000. And, man, they're like, oh. Brother Salcedo said, man, he's getting, they're getting closer all the time. He said, I was about to say... I'll take it. But he said, then the pastor said, but I got checked. I didn't feel like that was, that's what we needed to sell you the building for. And she said, I, 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 need, I need to meet with some people. And well, can I tell you, January of this year, that congregation turned this building over to them for a grand total of $20. Now, while some is saying we got inflation, while somebody else is saying there's no way, while somebody else is saying we got COVID, somebody else is saying the church is dying. No, no, we're just getting in line because there's a whole lot of church buildings that are coming open and we're waiting to get them because this is our hour. This is our time. I want somebody to go. And take it. Go get it. Go get that unsaved friend at school. You're going to teach him a Bible study, and God's going to save their soul. Go take it. Uh, oh, you can be seated. I, I, you know, you've got time for one more. I just got to tell you another story. And brother, my good friend, Brother Hodges, told this at General Conference a few years ago, but it, it, it bears repeating. I, I know Brother Gonzalez, and Brother Gonzalez told me this story himself, and, and he was in Southern California. Uh, you know, SoCal is a pretty expensive place to live. You know, real, really expensive. Our average home is about $1.2 million. It's a, it's a high rent district, let's just say that. Try starting a church in a city like that when to rent a facility can cost you $6,000 for one service a week. Oh, it's too expensive. We might as well quit and go home. In fact, we might as well not even start. Wrong. Go take it. So... So Brother Gonzalez, he told me, he said, he said, I'm going to tell you, Brother Hobson. He said, we'd rented this little place. And he said, they called us and said, we're going to have to kick you out because we're selling the place. And he said, I didn't know what we were going to do. He said, I was checking every place I could. He said, I was going here, there, and everywhere. He said, I was calling everybody that I could call. He said, I was literally going through the phone book, calling church after church, building after building, trying our best to rent a facility so that we could meet in San Diego. He said, I didn't know what we were going to do. He said, in the meantime, I lost my job. And he said, I'm just going to be honest, Brother Hobson, about the only thing that was even keeping us was that monthly CFC check we were getting. Hey, you give to CFC, it matters. It makes a difference. He said that little CFC check was helping us, you know, and of course, I'm thinking that's a pretty good size CFC check, $2,000 a month, but in a place like that, it really isn't as much. But he said... I'm, I'm thinking, I, God, am I supposed to just move? Was this a mistake? Were you really in this? He said, I called this one, bill, the one place, and the pastor answered. And 
I said, were you willing to rent your building? He said, no, no, we're not. He said, I was ready to hang up, but the guy asked me another question. And then he asked me another question. He said, and here I am talking to a guy that I really don't want to talk to because I'm frustrated because he said he won't rent me the building. He said, but then the next thing I know, he said, he said, you know, he said, it's nice talking to you, young man. He said, why don't you come by and look at our building? And he said, he said I almost told him, no thanks. He said, I just felt like maybe I should. And so he went by and he got there and a few minutes later a board member showed up and he said, oh, I called one of our board members. He said, we're just going to take you a little tour of the building. He said, we're walking through this building and I'm looking, wow, this is great. Wow, this is cool. That's neat. And he said, then one of the board members, or the board member looked at him and he said, um, hey, listen, he said, it, now we're not going to rent this building. But he said, if we were, and you had trouble coming up with a down payment for the rent, would you let us know? Sure. He said, we go on a little more. He said, next thing I know, he said, they stopped me again. I mean, he said, I'm, I'm getting frustrated because they're showing me all this cool stuff that I can't have. He said, and then he said, hey, wait. He said, hypothetically, if we rented this place to you and you couldn't afford rent one month, would you call us and let us know so we could help? Sure. It's like, that wouldn't be hard to do. And he's thinking, he has no idea how close I am to needing that. And they got through with the little tour pastor and the board member looked at him and said, you know, son, he said, we weren't really going to rent this place to you, but you know what? We just felt like we needed to, and, 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 and we just feel like maybe God's in this, and so we, we want you, to, we want you to, to, to rent from us. How much? Well, it was enough that they could afford, and so they settled on an amount they could afford, and he's like, oh, thank God I can rent this place. Well, over the next year, they developed this relationship with this pastor, and finally, one day, pastor came and said, hey, um, he said, I, I, I need to talk to you. He goes, oh, no, here he goes. Why do we always think the worst? And he said, well, what do you need, sir? He said, well, he said, let me sit down and talk to you. He said, I, I'm, I'm going to retire. And he said, you know, he said, I've been at this many years. He said, and I'm in this organization. He said, but you, I've researched your organization and who you are. And, you know, we, we actually, our organization, he said, we date back to Jamestown. He said, if you look, there's a little building in Jamestown that has Acts 238 on it. He said, now, we don't necessarily preach all that now. But he said, that's our roots. And he said, you, you're, you're as closely aligned with who we, we, we were. He said, I'm just curious, young man, would you mind being the pastor of this church when I retire? Well, that's a new one. He called Brother Hodges and said, Bishop, uh, I got a, you okay if I pastor another denominational church? He said, well, what are you going to do with service? He said, well, they told me that we could have a traditional service with their 20 people. He said the average age of that congregation was about 78 to 82. He said, so we can have a traditional service for a little while with their little, I think it may is maybe even less than 20. He said, he said, you have that, but then he said, you can have your church service too at another time. He said, so if you'll just preach to this group and then you can have your other, he said, you can pastor both groups. They're like, sure, go for it. And so he he did. Well, in the meeting where they got together and were going to make all this final, the pastor sat down and he said, young man, he said, I, I, I need to talk to you about something. He said, you've agreed to pastor this church, but he said, I need to talk to you about the salary. And, and Brother, Brother Gonzalez said, I almost laughed out loud. He said, um, now, now you do have a master's degree, is that right? He said, yes, sir. He said, well, then he said, I, I looked, and the average, si average uh, salary of somebody with a degree equivalent to you makes X number of dollars. 
He said, yes, sir. He said, well, that's the salary then the church would provide for you. He said, what are you doing for housing? He said, what? He said, well, yeah, housing. He said, well, I'm renting a place. He goes, okay, well, we're going to provide housing allowance too for you because we want to make sure you're taken care of because you're going to have expenses, we know, associated with both congregations. And, oh, by the way, we're going to take care of health care. We're going to put money in a retirement account for you. We're going to take care of your cell phone. Brother Gonzalez said, I was looking there, and he said, I was having a hard time keeping my mouth from... He said, finally, I looked at him and I said, sir, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but he said, I know how many is coming to this church at the present moment. He said, how in the world could this church and congregation do this? A little smirk came across this, this pastor's mouth. He said, that's a good question. He said, I'm going to tell you. He said, 20 years ago, God spoke to me as clear as I'm sitting here. And told me that I was to prepare the finances of this church. Because God was going to send a young man. And when God sent that young man. I was supposed to have it completely prepared. That I can hand it all over to him. And he said, so what you don't understand is this, that through the years, our saints have passed on and they have left hundreds of thousands of dollars in gifts to this congregation. We have hundreds of thousands of dollars in investments. He said, this, everything that you see is paid for. We have a radio tower right behind us that brings $5,000 a month to our congregation. And he began to explain this and this and this. And he said, really at that point, my mouth was trying to stay closed he said and we're going to give it all to you and today brother Gonzalez is a full time pastor that congregation has died out the old place but they are a fully apostolic Pentecostal church owning a six million dollar complex in the middle of a place everybody said is impossible oh I'm here today to look at somebody in the eye and I just feel like the spirit of Joshua. Go take it! Would you stand with me today? Go take it! I just love the sarcasm of the man of God. If you be a mighty people, just go do it. I close with this. Saul. Saul and the nation of Israel were cowering down, scared to death. Joshua, or excuse me, Jonathan, his son. Just, he just didn't like standing still. He didn't really like the insults that were being hurled. And he didn't really like the fact that it was making his dad look bad. And really it was even more so than that. It was making his nation look back bad. And even more so than that, it was making his God look bad. So, so Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and says, Hey, you want to go have some fun? I can just hear it now. Sure. Yeah. I'm getting a little bored. I mean, I'm in, it's one thing to carry armor, but sometimes you just got to use it. (laughs) Come on now. It's one thing to carry the label apostolic, but sometimes you got to use it. So they go up into the hills and they get there and <laughs> Jonathan says, hey, hey, wait, 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 we're, we're getting close. We, we better stop here and think about this. He said, Let, let's, let's kind of talk to God a little bit about this. And he said, you know what? He said, I'll tell you what, we're going to, when we greet them, 
we're going to listen carefully what they say to us. Because if they say, we're coming down to get you, yeah, we might ought to run. (laughs) But if they say, if they happen to say, hey, come on up. (laughs) He said, God is going to give this thing to us. Sure enough, the story reads in Samuel. Philistines, I love what they said. Come on up and we'll show you a thing. I can just hear Jonathan now. (laughs) Show us a thing. (laughs) They ain't seen nothing yet. Because I'm about to go and take it and they made their way up the mountain and the Bible tells us that in the first segment of land Jonathan and his armor bearer alone killed 20 men because something in their spirit said we got to go and take it but wait a minute it was an entire battalion of men how oh, 20 they're just getting started they're about to face the mighty army but it was after the 20th man and they hit a certain spot God said well wait a minute I haven't really got my hands dirty yet and you see what I told you to do was go take it I told you through their response come and get it boys and it's time to go and take it because I'm going to be with you and the Bible said the earth began to rumble Saul said what's going on who's missing well it's just your son and his armor bearer well we gotta get up and go help him because God is doing something and there was a mighty victory because somebody said I gotta go and take what God has promised This altar is open for somebody that would like to come and say, God, I'm here to take it. I'm here to receive what you have called me to do. Show me one thing he can do. Oh, yes. Show me a mountain. Oh, that's it. The presence of God is here. Come on. Let's go and take it. Show me one thing. Too hard. 